like rain out of heaven. Hear your word, to know your word, to be participants in this great commission. We have a work to do here on earth. I thank you that you are equipping your people every day to do this great work. I thank you, Lord, that you have chosen each and every one of us that's here today and those who are watching, and then there are others who have not answered the call that we want to reach out to as well. So we thank you, Lord, for blessing us with the knowledge of you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. Today I thought we'd talk about uh, understanding righteousness, understanding righteousness, because I think it's something that we, we uh, uh, take for granted or we don't understand the importance of it. But I always think to myself, the, and I say this, righteousness is everything. Yes. It's everything. Because unrighteousness takes everything away from us. Yes. So righteousness is everything because it restores it to us. And our righteousness is, thank God, nothing that we have to do. It's already, it is a, a state of rightness that's prepared for us already that we step into. When you look at the uh, Old Testament examples of priesthood, the priesthood took off his everyday clothing and he put on his priestly garments. He would wash himself thoroughly outside of the sanctuary, put on his garments to enter into the presence of God. And if we can think about the righteousness of Jesus Christ as a garment that we wear and not something we have to cook up, conjure up, or think we've earned after three days of not cussing nobody out and not being mad at nobody, uh, that's called self-righteousness. And see, that will compete with imputed righteousness whenever it gets an opportunity to do so. Because, well, we do it all the time. I mean, I, I think many of us have grown to understand it better and matured into a knowledge of what true righteousness is. But self-righteousness comes into play every time somebody does something wrong and you judge them for it. See, there's no law that we can judge a brother or sister under because they're blood-bought. See, there, there is no judgment there for them. There is a, a suspension of their privileges in God to an extent until they repent and be cleansed. But you don't know what standard God's holding them to either. See, it's, it's like the Big Ten, thou shalt not, yada, 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 yada. But then if it's something that you think is real important in your little estimation of what morality and righteousness is, see, we hold many people in contempt when we have no right to. Wow, that's good. We have no right to judge, period, against someone as long as they're on this earth because there is the opportunity then for repentance for them. So how can you judge somebody who has an opportunity to be acquitted of yeah. You got me? And so our, our, our job then is not to watch everybody else and how they quote-unquote love, but make sure you're abiding by it. Got me? So, you know, <laughs> dig yourself, in other words. Amen? Now, that is not to mean that God won't give you a word sometime to warn people when they're going down the wrong road. You know, we, we know when people are headed for a fall. 
And so many times God will give, but that's not a judgment thing, that's a ministry thing. See, you ask God to open a door to minister his truth, and you offer the way out of repentance to those people. That's always got to be on the table for people. You understand me? If you see somebody, say for instance, uh, believers are always curious about what the world's up to. And they get involved. They are jealous of you. Well, they get to do all that sinning and I got to live right. A stupid. Your ability to live right came at a high cost. I don't know if you read the back of all the Gospels yet, but it was a, a very high price paid for your, you know, your limitations on your sin thing. You know, let us not be crazy here. It's not it's not fun to sin. That only has pleasure for a season, you know. And then there's a season of payback. Ooh, ouch. You got me? And so that's not something that you want to be jealous of when you see sinners out there sinning. That's, that's nothing big. Anybody, you know, we're born in that. That's easy to do. It's a little bit more challenging, though, to live at a higher standard and live for God. And so many times we'll, we'll, we'll see uh, good Christian people getting involved with people who are not real savory, you know. And be prayerful over those things, you know. Don't just judge them and say, oh, look at them, look at what they're doing. They're like the Pharisees, you know. They judge Jesus that way. But Jesus was sinless. Whatever he was doing with the publicans and sinners when he ate dinner with them, it wasn't sin, that's for sure. And so there may be times when you see people who are getting fascinated with the world or, or you know, getting letting the world take too much of their attention. And God may give you uh, an open door to minister to them, you know, and just remind them, you know, you know what, God's slated you for better things than that. You know, that's the old life. That's, it's not fascinating anymore. It's not fun anymore and so forth and so on. But that does not mean that we have license to uh, judge and condemn people and, uh, you know, make, uh, make remarks about them that are condemning. You know, oh, I knew they wasn't no good or look at what they do and they need to stay out of that. And it's always the ones who do it themselves or guilty of it that holler the loudest. You know what I'm saying? It's like. That used to be their fascination, but see, this is my thing. If, if that used to be your fascination, be honest about it and use that to minister to somebody to pull them out of it instead of pointing the finger at coming. You understand what I'm saying? God can use it for his glory if we give it to him, but so often we want to condemn people that are walking in the same thing we walked in. Amen? Just a thought, something to think about. And see, righteousness has to do with, with the condition of your heart. Are you allowing God to work on your heart and to allow your heart to be penetrated with his word and, and with the fruit of the spirit? Do you yield to the fruit of the spirit and let that be your habitation and not just a place you visit when you get scared and need a bill paid or you know, or something like that, you know, or somebody at work don't like you and you upset about it and then you start talking to God. Righteousness should be our habitation because that's what God initially planned for us. In the garden, he told they were in a righteous state, man. You know how I know? Because they didn't have no clothes on and didn't think one thing about it. <laughs> 
Well, that was your chance to just exhale, everybody. This ain't, this ain't about what you think it's going to be about. Just relax. Everybody's sitting there all tense. Hang on to the edge of your seat. going to be so tense. This is good news. Amen. Because <laughs> it'll do you good. Once you understand it, it is good news. What most people don't understand is how God can can put these laws before us to obey and then not throw us in the pokey if we break them. Huh? <laughs> but he doesn't. Huh? That was news to somebody. Huh? Are you throwing you in jail because you messed up? You're beyond that when you when you belong to Christ. Because he knows how to get you to walk straight. So you have, there's more going for you walking straight than there is condemning you for, for what you do wrong. You, you do wrong, you acknowledge it. Be honest before God. You understand what I'm saying? Get before him and, and let him know that, you know, this ain't what I intended to do, God. I don't want to live like this. You got to help me live for you the way you intended me to live. But when the man and the woman were in the garden, they were in a state of perfect righteousness. They, they knew nothing but God. And God never told them they didn't have no clothes on. That ought to get somebody healed. Listen, in righteousness, you only listen to, hear, and believe what God says. Could you imagine really living like that every day? You know, you you stub your toe and it's painful and it looks out of joy. You say, thank God I'm healed and just keep walking and don't give it another thought. Are you kidding me? Well, that's what righteousness is. It's that contented state of being aware of nothing but God and his word. And that's what, what, what Abraham continued to return to. I don't care how many times he stumbled because of his weakness and because of the temptations of the enemy. He always turned to that state of righteousness. And he probably one day sat up and said, you know what my problem is? I think about the wrong stuff too much. And so in that day, it said, he considered not his own body, now dead, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. Remember when he used to blame her for the fact they didn't have no kids and wouldn't have a kid with the maid? Well, he stopped doing all of that as righteousness. Huh? It's a state of mind as well as a state of your spirit man. And so uh, we need to understand it to the extent that we can implement the fruits and the benefits of righteousness in our lives so that our lives go well. That's what God, he wants your life to go well. So he is returning us. He has returned us through the blood sacrifice of his son back to that state of righteousness and companionship and fellowship with him. There is no righteousness outside of relationship with the righteous one. you got to get it from somewhere. It just don't come and you take credit for it. Remember the old days we used to try to be good and you're just lying to yourself. You know you can't and you have time don't want to. Huh? This is too hard. I don't do this stuff. Go back into the world. Until you really fell in love with Christ. 
you know, through the blood atonement. You can't even love God without him shedding his blood for you. Can't take credit for anything. So in Galatians 5, we're going to uh, look at this for a little bit and, and uh, pull some things out that, that I think are good to keep in mind and, and good to, to focus on. We need to understand that God is not human. He's God. Amen. He put on human form, but he is God. He has perfect knowledge, understanding, so he keeps his law and he judges equitably. So God keeps his own laws. If he tells you don't steal, it's because he ain't a thief. If he tell, and so with anything, anything in your mind that makes you think God is not fair, it's the devil. Because what the standard he holds us to is a standard that emanates from him. He wouldn't put that standard on us if he couldn't keep it and didn't keep it. So when your prayer is, is, takes a long time to be answered, it's not God's fault. In fact, go to God and find out what it is. Sometimes you're on a time schedule. You got me? Sometimes you're being tested to see if you really, really believe what you, you understand. Anybody can believe for a couple of weeks, a month. <laughs> but we talk about living a life of faith, believing God for things. Huh? So God, believers should never fear God's judgment. You see it all the time. People saying the judgment is coming to the United States. Well, don't tell me about it. Tell the people going to get judged. I get a pass. Pass, huh? Why? Because my plea is always the blood. I'm not stupid enough to try to stand him. Well, see, God can't judge me because I didn't do the. No, I plead the blood, honey. That covers anything that I did wrong, and it puts me in right standing. So when God does uh, judges the believer, it's to bring us up to the standard that will benefit our lives. So our judgment is a little bit different. It's not judgment and punishment and disaster because there's no penalty on us anymore. We are redeemed from the curse. Surely he bore our sicknesses, carried our sorrows. Stripes were laid on him to punish him to get us peace with God. So that's been done already. So when you plead the blood, you plead not just the forgiveness of sins, but also the punishment when you break the law. Is that is that uh, not right? Is that not is that getting away with something? Are you kidding me? We talking about dealing with God. He's perfect in all his ways. And as a believer, if you think you're getting away with something, that don't do my heart happy when I find out there's no punishment for my sin. I'm grateful for it. But do I dance around and think about sinning more because I don't have to? Are you kidding me? I don't think so. Why? Because the blood has purged my conscience from dead works. I'm not in love with dead works anymore. Well, was the thought anyway. But once your conscience is purged, then God just goes about purging it more. Getting more dead works purged out of there. <laughs> did, you, did you find out about that one? Oh, okay, God, well, let's purge that. And that's how you live. You live a life of discovery of things that, that would hinder your walk with God and bringing them before him and getting them purged. So they're not a problem for you anymore. You want to stay close to God. You're not scared of him. You're not enemies anymore. 
you're not afraid what he might tell you to do. You know, when you were first saved, you might have been scared. He's going, oh, I had to serve God. I don't want to go to Africa. That's the first thing everybody says. You know, he's scared he's going to send you somewhere. Well, he ain't going to send you because you barely want to go to church when you newly saved. You go in as long as you feel good when you get there, but then when they start talking about some of the stuff you've been hiding from everybody, then you want to quit. We all go through it. So when God does judge us, it's to bring us up to the standard that will benefit our lives. It's a higher standard for us. All he says in judgment is, no, that's not where I want you to stay right now. I want you to come up higher. So it's really an elevation and a promotion. It's not a you've been bad thing. Get that out your mind. I don't care how bad you've been. You ain't too bad for the blood to purge you and to cleanse you. God knows all he has to do is sit down and give you one good talking to in the Holy Ghost. And, oh, Jesus, I love you. I ain't going to do it no more. So you easy. He has a plan and a goal for each and every one of us. And that's what he's about. He's about the plan. He's not about what you do on a day-to-day basis. He's about the plan and keeping you in the plan, keeping you in the will. He is orchestrating events in our lives to attain that goal. His highest goal for us, let's go to Romans 8.29 real quick, and I'll come back to Galatians 5. His highest goal for us is found in Romans 8. to see where I want to start. Verse 24 says, we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For that which a man sees, what does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we don't see, then we do with patience wait for it, with patience. It's the only way you'll wait is with patience. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, so we know, before we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So that's your help there. When you, that's your help to maintain righteousness. And He that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So this could not be easier. Everything's provided. And we know because the Spirit himself makes intercession for you and you're not depending upon your own righteousness, your own prayers, your own this, your own that. It says, and we know then that all things work together for good to them that love God, for them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow he did also predestinate to do what? One thing. This is your goal. Is to be conformed to the image of Christ. It's not to, to uh, uh, preach the gospel. It's not to, uh, none of the do's are your goal. Those are byproducts of the work of righteousness in you. You're witnessing to people as a byproduct of the work of righteousness in you. 
If you, if you didn't have the Holy Spirit working in you and interceding for you and doing all of these things, you'd never share Christ with anybody. Because you wouldn't know what to do. And so as a, as a byproduct of your healthy spiritual state, then ministry flows out of that. See, I, I, I hate to see people who put ministry up as something, some kind of goal, something to be cherished. And I mean, even though it is an honor to serve God, but that ain't the whole purpose of you being here. Because if you remain an immature baby Christian after you've been saved 20 years, you miss the whole point of your salvation. Because in conforming to the image of Christ, we are changed into one glorious facet of his character to another one. If you don't understand what it, what it means to have compassion on lost people, you haven't really conformed to his image. Because that's what he had flowing out of him toward people. Is it, conforming doesn't mean isn't something you do. It's something you are. It's something you're transformed into. It's something you yield to. Now, if some of y'all want to watch this door all day long, just go sit over there, okay? Thank you. We're talking about conforming to the image of Christ, and he wasn't no door watcher. Huh? You know, stay focused on what God's doing. It don't, you know, that door is taken care of. Amen? God takes care of all that stuff. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> so, in Romans 8.29, it says that we are being conformed into his glorious image. We're in, our, he predestined us to do this one very thing, and that is to conform to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many. God wants him us to be conformed so that there will be many sons and daughters of God, just like Jesus. And why does he want that? Because the devil wants a lot of people to conform to him. You understand what I'm saying? There's a goal here. And the goal is to prove that righteousness is more powerful than wickedness. That people like righteousness more than they like sin. Even though if you look at the condition of the world right now, you wouldn't believe it. But people do. If, if we would preach it more, we'd find more people hungry for it. See, we don't preach it. People say, well, I don't preach sin. I ain't preaching sin either. I'm preaching the good news. Amen. And for you to walk in it, huh? instead of promising you God's going to get you a Rolls Royce. I know one thing. If you die, they ain't letting you bring it in heaven. You ain't driving that up in there no how, no way. And most of us are not. That's not on our hearts anyway. I just really believe that, that it might shock us to find out what God really wants us to be talking about when we gather together in his name. What did he talk about? He talked about relieving suffering humanity of their oppression. And he went out and did something about it. You know, we walked past homeless people, people living outside in the cold, freezing to death, walk past them all the time and don't have a clue how to reach these people. And I'm guilty too. You understand what I'm saying? Because I'm trying to, I'm on my way driving some way to get to do God's will. 
So you, you see what I'm saying? There is a place in God we have yet to lock into and tap into and abide there. And righteousness is the key to being that people and, and, and uh, abiding in that place. So to conform to the image of Christ, that is the goal. We are predestined to do that. So that means the Holy Spirit is doing all of this through us and in us to get us to, to make that that transition is so that we conform to the image of Christ. That when we look in the word of God, we find that we measure up. And when we see we don't measure up, we know there's a remedy for it. God convicts you about something. This is something that, that you know, is a stumbling block for you. I'm, I got you going here, and you keep stumbling every time we go down this road. Now, we need to fix that. That's it. So it's about getting fixed for most of us and staying fixed and looking forward to more fixing. <laughs> Verse 30, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, those he also justified. And those that he justified, he also glorified. So you got everything here. He's taken care of the whole package if we would just let the word do its creative work in us. Let the word do its transforming work in us. Let the word do the work of, of righteousness in us in maintaining that state and not jumping in and out of it, getting tempted by the enemy and go run off and follow something and find out that you get at the end of that road. God's not down there. And so we, we want to maintain that state with God, of contentment with God. And understanding that he has these things planned for us. So he has a plan and goal for each and every one of us. And he is orchestrating events in our lives to attain that particular goal. His highest goal, we just read it in Romans 8:29, is that we conform to the image of Christ. So we are predestined to be shaped in righteousness according to the word. Jesus was, re, was shaped in righteousness, not iniquity and sin, like all carnal people are. Everybody else but him. He's the only one who was shaped and formed in righteousness. Why? He didn't have a natural father. He had an earthly mother, but he did not have a natural father. So he bypassed the sin nature inheritance because he was conceived by the Holy Ghost. We're the same way. Our new man is conceived by the Holy Ghost. And so God has made us new creatures. All things are passed away. You know, if you just believe that and believe you don't have a past and, and nobody can charge you with anything, you'd be wonderful. You go to sleep at night feeling good. You wake up the next morning feeling even better. Huh? Righteousness is what keeps you enjoying your life when it's a hot mess it's true we focus too much on material things for our blessedness and our comfortness it ain't dependent on that i've seen people with kids they don't know where they at a husband that left them for some floozy in the church are they just as peaceful and content and See, you know what? One day I thought to myself, I started almost feeling guilty for how I feel so good. Amen. With all this that's messed up in my life. Yes. 
Huh? It's called righteousness. Amen. Fruit of righteousness. You know, don't feel guilty about being righteous. Huh? Look at Jesus. The Pharisees tried to throw him off a cliff, and yet he turned right around, went back to the same town over and over again and preached. We're right back in that synagogue where they threw him out of. Huh? It's called righteousness. As long as you know you're doing the will of God, you're protected, you have nothing to fear, stay in that flow. Don't move out of that flow. So we are predestined to be shaped in righteousness according to the word of God. <clears throat> righteousness, there's some, some truths about righteousness. That word really means right wisdom, which is, is referring to your mental faculties to a high degree. See, your spirit is born of the spirit of God. There's nothing wrong with your spirit. The Holy Spirit lives there. It's been activated by the Holy Spirit. It was dead before you were saved. Now it's reborn, regenerated, and there's nothing wrong in your spirit. You got me? Can't get nothing can get in there that's evil and wicked. I don't care what these Satan talking teachers people think they teach and you own deliverance and all that kind of stuff. They got to invent most of their devils because people really don't have that many. You understand what I'm saying? When the Holy Spirit moves into your heart and into your spirit, something's got to move out. You understand? He's so big and he's there taking over more. Little devils you have is scared to activate themselves and do something. Huh? They only do it when the Holy Spirit tells them to because they're all under his control. You know, when you go to a meeting, we used to have, you know, and I, I used to tell people these were our training days. And for us to stay in the flow of the Spirit. You know, if, if people try to take over your meeting, you have to go somewhere in a deeper, you, you can't stay in your flesh and figure it out. you got to go to a different place and get some information. You got me? And so I really felt, I said, well, God, maybe you're just teaching me how to stay with you in this in what I do because that's the only way I could know that I had power and I wasn't fearful and I had strength and, and not have to do this thing in my own power or try to fight devils and fight witches and all this stuff. And I found that when he said believers have authority over all the works of darkness, and I told the Lord, I said, well, Lord, I'm going to command these devils to quit acting up. I said, because I don't like them acting up. I said, and you can, you can, I'm believing you to help me to discern on the inside when they're there and, and to deal with it, you know, and not have all this. I don't need some to see something move in the natural and know it's there. I mean, really, you don't. When, you, when you're with God, you know, you can do these things. Because I didn't like them acting up in the meeting. But I noticed some preachers did. You go to their meetings and they jumping all over the place and growling and all that kind of stuff. You know, we don't put, we're trying to have a dignified church service. Yeah. <laughs> well, little devil's jumping all over the place. Huh? <laughs> so I found out that every manifestation is permitted by the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again, because you know what, people people get all kind of crazy ideas sometimes. 
When you belong to God, every man, even the ones you had, Sister McKinney, said, Sister Ray said, I'm here like this. Where's my popcorn? But this is getting interesting. Here we go again. <laughs> but it's permitted by God. They don't do anything that, that God doesn't want them to do. What do you think? Do you think the devil runs stuff down here? When they manifest on Jesus, they were written down in the Bible so we can read them and we can understand that devils knew who he was, but he had total authority over them. You don't let the devil just take stuff over. You don't let him throw people around the room and then they're embarrassed to come back to church. You just don't do that. We are not passing out barf bags around here because I'm going to tell them you don't throw up in here. We got to clean up this mess after you leave. Are you kidding me? <laughs> they never stay around to clean nothing up. They want to tear it up and then leave you with the rat. You don't do that stuff around here. It was so funny when Benny Hinn was on the stage one time, and he told this woman, he said, you're going to feel like you have to throw up. And then he thought about it, he said, but you're not. <laughs> I said, oh, Benny, that's right. Do your thing. Make them keep it clean. Now, even the devil's got to be clean when they come in. Right here. Okay. So in righteousness... Uh, we uh, must learn to wear it as a garment. It is not something you manufacture. You must wear righteousness as a garment. In Galatians 5, maybe we can turn there now. It's going there for a minute, and I think I'll go back. I'm going to read this first so we'll understand what we're talking about. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So what can happen to a believer after they're freed from sin? This is what they're talking about by God. They can get entangled again with a yoke of of bondage and be just as bound jesus said when uh, demons are cast out uh, they'll go into dry places looking to get a place back now i've i've known people who have worked uh with with demons that that uh express torment and pain because they have demons that are over them that punish them when they get cast out you got me so that's all the devil has for his people anyway. You know, is he'll do that. He'll do that. Humans sometimes become subject to that. When the devil, he will torment people. Once he's used them and, and about ready to discard them, he'll start to torment them. They don't want to live anymore. So he says, behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you are circumcised, uh, be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. In other words, this book of Galatians, you'll see a lot of Paul's writings in the New Testament deal with law versus uh, grace and versus the work of the Spirit. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. So if you're living in self-righteousness, you've got to do that law perfectly or you're not uh, availing yourself anything. 
you might do all okay don't cuss don't steal don't fornicate and you check them off when they say mm, shall not covet uh, you gotta quit looking at television you gotta quit looking at your neighbor you gotta quit looking over the fence you have to pluck your eyes out in order to you know then if you can still smell you probably cover somebody's dinner somebody's happy meal i smell them french fries won't need some and then you don't see just that quick amen so he says uh you have to do the christ has become of you of none effect so you've abandoned your christianity and now you're on the road trying to prove to everybody how much better you are than they are how much better christian i don't do this i don't do that i don't do that some whole denominations are built on that stuff some of them go to church saturday is their sabbath and everybody else is wrong and that's a work that ain't it's a do he says for we through he says you you it says christ has become of none effect to you whosoever you are justified by the law you have fallen from grace so there's no more grace to cover you got to go do the whole law if that's what you want to do the jew who was honest about his life figured out that he couldn't do the law so those were the ones who were looking for the messiah you notice the church people felt like they could do it and what they couldn't do they'd make up something to cover it so they weren't looking for jesus that's why they murdered him persecuted him and stoned him so the law will make you a christ killer he says for we through the spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith for in jesus christ neither circumcision avails anything or uncircumcision but faith which works by the faith of god always works by love it works through a pure heart it doesn't work through anger it doesn't work through vindictiveness it doesn't work through any of that your faith won't work through that it works through love that's why many times we have to go through things uh what paul called light afflictions and sufferings to bring us to a point of love of pure love because if if your soul is afflicted and you can't have this and you can't have that that makes your little your little flesh jump up and down and be excited uh, you'll be a loving person that's how it works folks through the spirit we crucify the deeds of the flesh he says you did run well who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth so here paul finds some people who are making the christian men uh born again men get circumcised again he said this persuasion does not come from him that calls you in other words god didn't tell you that but he says a little leaven leavens a whole lump so a little bit of self-righteousness will pollute your whole being with that nonsense i have no confidence in you through the i have confidence in you through the lord that you will be none otherwise minded but he that troubles you shall bear his judgment whosoever he is so paul knew it was somebody doing some false preaching with this probably peter you know because he called him out on it he says and i brethren if i yet preach circumcision why do i yet suffer persecution so self-righteousness then becomes a protection for the believer against persecution how does that happen if you can blend in with people who are in the do's and the don'ts 
then you don't have to suffer with the people who move with the power of God. See, it's the grace people that get hell down here. Look at all the preachers who are preaching that don't catch no hell, though. It's tons of them. Huh? It's tons of them. And so uh, Paul, Paul also said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had been circumcised as a Jew, as a legal Jew, before he came to the knowledge of Christ. But after that, he talked about the marks in his, these were persecution marks. These weren't, these weren't compromise marks. His circumcision became a mark of compromise for the Jew after Christ came. When you're a believer, you bear in your body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody been left and abandoned, rejected, hurt, talked about, criticized, thrown out of churches? Huh? That's the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I have confidence. He said, a little leaven leavens a whole lump. He said, if you go for a little bit of this stuff, you're going to have more of it. I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be no otherwise minded, but he that troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? He said, then is the offense of the cross ceased. So that's what your people that that will go on these talk shows to be popular, that the offense of the cross is over for them. See, they don't go through that trouble anymore. You know, and, you know, I hear this woman, Kim Burrell, preached against homosexuality. Well, she preached the word of God. You know, it ain't her word. It's God's word. Amen. And now Ellen kicked her off the show, and I'm thinking maybe she shouldn't have been on there anyway. You know, because, see, there's, there's a trap. There's a trap there. And maybe God don't want his preachers in no traps no more. Now you go on these shows, they invite you in, they love you, they this, they that, and then they get you down at that little table talking and start needling you and questioning you about what you really believe. So maybe it's time out for all that nonsense. Never should have started anyway. You want to know what God believes? Come to church and find out. Or read your Bible and find out. You don't need to play 20 questions with a preacher. And then you start pushing them and get them. And the devil's already hovered around you and all your people to intimidate you into saying something that you think won't offend people. If that's your goal as a preacher, just hang up your preaching. Put your Bible away and hang up your preaching robe. Because if you just want to preach and not offend people, you're in the wrong business. You're You're no preacher of the cross. He says then, uh, verse 12, I would they were even cut off uh, which trouble you. So Paul's sick of these people. He said, for brethren, you have been called to liberty. Only not use your liberty as an occasion for the flesh. So that's what he says. You, you have liberty to be forgiven of your sins, not to go out and sin some more. But you have the liberty to live free of the law and be forgiven of your sins when you do sin the bible didn't say if it said when because people would take that the wrong way he says for okay but by love serve one another 
So the occasion of the flesh means to do something selfish. In love, we serve one another. Amen. Pay attention to what uh, your your fellow uh, uh, believers enjoy. You know, so when you pull a name for Secret Santa, you won't get them something goofy. Amen. You know, you'll get that report from them. You know, I was I really like what you got me. I was asking God for something like. You understand what I'm saying? And, and even if they don't thank you for it, get them anyway. They'll learn. They'll learn some manners in God. Amen. Says, um, he says, for the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's all God's grooming us to learn how to do is to love. Amen. Love means you say you're sorry. Remember that was some old stupid uh, movie back in the day. Love means never having to say you're sorry. Y'all won't be in love for very long. I know one thing. You turn over in the middle of the night and pop me, I'm going to pop you back if you don't. <laughs> boom You wake up in the morning with a knot on your head. How did I get that? I don't know. I was leaping. I was leaping just like you were leaping. No. It won't last long if you don't, you know, you don't learn how to forgive and apologize and ask forgiveness. It won't last long. That's, what, that's the tool God's given us to keep fellowship with one another is forgiveness. That's the only thing that's going to work. It says, for the law is fulfilled in one word, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, hmm? that's, that's why that stuff needs to stop in churches, folks. Pastors do well to not encourage it. You know, if you know the backbiter is coming to your office, lock the door. Put the put the chair up. <laughs> huh? Stop that nonsense. Amen. Same for you. It's for other people. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's a giving attitude. He said, take heed that you not be consumed one of another. Where churches, you see them empty, you see the doors locked because the devil, they let the devil come in there and tear everything up. Yeah. Pulled a gun on the pastor and deacons taking over the church and all. That's nonsense. They, they have long since to obey the commandments of God. He said, this I say, then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How do you walk in the spirit? it just told you love your neighbor as yourself that's walking in the spirit you got me take self off the throne meditate on the word of god so that when something comes up you have god's response to it already in your soul and your spirit man the mind of your spirit man and you can can stay in the spirit you stay in the mind of god and he says here, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. So you got a war inside of you. Your spirit, man, intends to win. And he says they are, these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Oh, there's a way out of this. Don't do this. Don't do that. I wish I hadn't done this. Boy, if I could go back and undo that. Oh, boy, I said something I shouldn't have said. I wonder how I'm going to live this down. He says, 
If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Are you led by the Spirit? You're led by the Spirit more than you know. Huh? Does that mean you've got to do spooky stuff all the time? Absolutely not. The Holy Ghost ain't spooky. He's holy. Amen. He does the right thing at all times. When your heart is toward doing the right thing, and it's not thinking in selfish terms, wanting stuff, got to have. Cut that out. You ain't got to have nothing but the image, image of Christ conformed in you. You just need more of that. Uh, he just took take on a new facet of his character. It says, but if you're led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. So he lists them. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness. Woo, that, that covers a whole lot of stuff. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions. Anything that comes from the flesh, envy and murder, drunkenness. I tell you, therefore... As I've told you in the time past, they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. How do you keep from doing them? Walk in the Spirit. Just drop that stuff and get up and walk in the Spirit. And what happens to people is on the way to grabbing hold of God again, the devil steps in there and starts messing your head up, making you feel condemned for your weakness. Or you're stumbling. Or you're this or you're that. I tell people all the time, I say, you know, I would be nice to everybody all the time. I say, if the devil would just leave me alone. <laughs> you know, you'd be going your way, going somewhere to do something good for somebody and have a good time. And then all of a sudden, up he jumps, getting in your face. And somebody done done something or said something or forgot something you, you know you're depending on them to do it and they got here and the, I forgot it that's just how quick it happens huh? I was walking in my cloud I'm telling you that's how it happens nobody plots to be mean nobody plots to be they get stuck there and can't get out because the devil, they do one thing wrong, one thing they need to repent of and just put it off because they nah, feel like it. And now they get stuck. Can't get out. Think about it. If you're honest, it's happened to you. So now they get stuck there and they don't know how to get out. So they come to church with that look on their face. No. Let's <laughs> come running in with the Bible and my little notes and ready to go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it's not, you know, you don't want to do that. But it's kind of like, man, I was going to have a good time preaching. <laughs> so you learn how not to look at people's faces. Obey oh, God. <laughs> That's the first thing when God told a prophet, don't look at their faces. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. So all of these things, he says, you won't inherit the king. You persist in doing those. And a lot of people do feel they're stuck. And they do feel they can't help themselves. You got me? And sometimes they are. Until they humble themselves and ask for help. You know, that's what the altar's for. That's that's why we have an altar call every time we get together. 
Because the devil's doing stuff all the time to hinder your walk. And I know that because he's trying to hinder mine. So you have an altar call to help people. I feel bad for people who have churches that never have an altar call. What do they do when they get in trouble? I mean, where do they go? That's why the uh, free prayer lines are so busy all the time. Because they don't help them in their churches. You got me? They go to church for one reason and, and, you know, do something else for another reason. So he says the fruit of the Spirit, though, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. You notice there's really only nine fruit of the Spirit, but the list of sins is endless. (laughs) It's endless. (laughs) Meekness, temperance against such, there is no law. There's no law against the fruit of the Spirit. There's no law against joy, even though the devil hates it. Hey, you get really a good holy laugh on you, and you'll make half the people mad in the church. Huh? Well, I don't see nothing funny. My joy don't depend on funny. <laughs> My joy depends on where I live. Are you kidding me? This this ain't funny either. This joy. This is beyond funny. Huh? Well, she, uh, she don't have no feelings. I'm just walking in peace. Huh? Well, you don't know, You're peaceful. People don't like you. They'll say stuff to you to see if they can upset you. You know, you, you pray with people at the altar, and they'll, and because they don't see you get a, get a rise out of it. And then this, and then this, and then this, and then shut up, because I already heard, I know your story already before you come up here. <laughs> God told me how to pray for you the minute you showed up. Come out. Stop it. Leave them alone. He says, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another vain glory you know why because you can't take that stuff to heaven with you and it's not going to get you there it's all in vain so the bible tells us what righteousness is it's the fruit of the spirit it's walking in the fruit and abiding in the fruit of the spirit and allowing the fruit of the spirit to help you and support your life when you are weary of of waiting for something The Bible says you have to let patience do its work in you. You don't pray for patience. You don't ask God for more patience. You let it work. It's there already. You just ain't let it working for you. What does patience do? It keeps you from being disturbed at the amount of time that's going by. Huh? Nobody, everybody wants an instant everything. You ain't getting it. I don't know too many instant things that I like better than something that takes its time to cook. Whoever made that instant oatmeal ought to be put to death. (laughs) Now I said it. Well, this has got raisins in it. I don't care what it's got in it. It ain't right. It ain't going to never be right. And whoever made it ain't right. 
Quaker. Yeah. A religious spirit made this stuff. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Got religion all over it. Uh, but you're here to conform to the image of Christ. You ain't here to get everything instantly. It took him 30 years to get his ministry going. Hello? And he was the son of God. You see people that, they're a son of a gun, and they're trying to get a ministry. They want to, I'm prophetess. I'm apostle so-and-so. I said, no, wait a minute. Last week you was, you switched on me just that quick. All he's switching on you. Like God can't make up his mind what the, you know, my mother would do that sometimes. Girl, Shirley, Bob, Bob, Shirley, girl, she call us girl. Everybody ran when she said girl because she's, well, God don't make mistakes. He knows who you are all the time and he calls you the same thing all the time. He calling you something different. Well, the bishops got there. I don't care what they got together and did. That won't outdo what God already predestined. Are you kidding me? You were called before the foundation of the earth to do what you do and to be who you are. Just go do something first. Your works prove who you are, not no title. So righteousness is something we must wear. You put it on. You can put it on and put it off depending upon what's going through your mind. Huh? You got lack going through your mind and you don't know how you're going to get your needs met. Put on righteousness. That's where your answer is. It's not in your devious little, you know, the dark corridors of your little brain. Try to tell you how to conjure stuff up and do this and do that. If you get this over here, then you can put that with it. No, God has one answer for you. That's going to take care of everything. You start lying and conniving, you're going to be doing that for a while. So you get down that road, it's going to be hard to turn back. And so what the, the enemy tries to do is get us to step away from our righteous thought life as, as much as possible so he can start to build. And once we start to put our faith in carnality again and sow that seed in his own as far as he's concerned. Unrighteous seed can have a a long-term effect that's hard to uproot very hard to uproot so we need to learn what righteousness feels like when we wear it how do you feel you feel the fruit of the spirit you feel contentment oh that's so boring i i christian y'all christians y'all yeah yeah but we'll be righteous sweetie i won't see you in hell i know that much (laughs) i got a different reservation got a different ticket on a different train you need to learn how to abide in it. There's certain things that you do that you learn how to do between you and God to pull you back over into your righteous mindset, your righteous state of living. How to put it back on when we sin. Don't stay over there in the penalty box. Don't let the devil take you over there and beat you up. Repent quickly. Huh? Quickly. Like the old Pentecostal people, baby, you keep short accounts with God. Don't run up no tab. Huh? Tab, you would never want to pay it once you run it up so high. And the devil knows that. Learn how to yield to the fruit of the Spirit and how to grow in righteousness. That's our goal. 
our initial encounter with righteousness when you're born again, you know that your sins are forgiven. You know you're washed clean because somehow we know that feeling. See, there's a, a state of contentment when you are right with God. Even the first, you think about the first time when you got born again. I mean, for real though. I'm talking about just going to church and all that stuff. But when you encountered this Holy Spirit of the living God with the knowledge that you had. And we, we somehow hope that feeling will continue. So for us, when we don't have knowledge and we don't know how to maintain it, righteousness is nothing more than a feeling. However, we realize it's not impossible to get it back. Now, you hear Baptist people say things like this. I wish I could feel like I did when they took me down to the river years ago. I never got that feeling back. I heard my mother say that. And she had a sister who was born again, too, when they were children. And they would, when her sister would come, we could realize, we couldn't understand why they would stay up. Remember, they stay up till the crack of dawn talking. They were sharing the things of God because they knew it wasn't a common thing that everybody talked about that everybody had experienced. Got me? When you're really saved, when you've had a real encounter with God. And I remember before the night before my mother passed away, and she said to me, I, I felt to read her in First John, where if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just. And she listened to me. She said, is that right? I said, yeah. I said, it's in the Bible, Mom. I said, she said, you mean God can clean me up again? I said, yes, he can. Next morning, she woke up that morning and passed away right after. You understand what I'm saying? It's real, folks. You don't just, just die in your sin and unconfessed sin and go to heaven. Amen. Heaven is for righteous. Hello? There's a high standard again, and God knows what people need when that time comes. So don't tell me, you know, we just saved and all that. Don't give me this greasy stuff, folks. You don't, you don't play around with people's eternal soul. That's all I can tell you. All I can tell you. Romans 7, if you'll go there, talks about, Paul talks about this mindset of back and forth, back and forth. Sin living in our members and all of that. There's a feeling that we have when we are first experience righteousness with God. <clears throat> Paul said, Romans seven eighteen. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me. In other words, I want to do the right thing. But how to perform it and do everything that's right, I don't know. He doesn't know because he doesn't know how to be led by the Spirit. When you're like that, you don't know how to do what's right. And he says, uh, okay, uh, for what What did I just read? 18? I didn't mean it real good. He says, for the good that I would do, I don't do. But the evil I don't want to do, I do. Anybody been there? Where the devil just tripped you up and you find all you said, Dad, he set me up for this. He says, now if I do that which I don't want to do, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. So that's your proof you save. Yes. You feel differently about doing wrong stuff. Yes. See, that's why it's not good to find people who are stumbling and stuck and accuse them. Because you don't know what their will is. They may hate what they do. You find drug addicts say that. I hate every time I went and got high, I hated myself for doing it, but I could not stop. Yeah. 
So Paul says here, he says, I don't do it in sin that dwells in me. He says, I find a new law then that when I would do good, evil is present with me. <laughs> All the time. He says, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but then there's another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into the captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ so that with the mind I myself self-serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. So you sin anytime. Anybody can. Don't feel good about yourself because it's been, you know, yeah. oh, I've never done that. Yeah. Well, praise God. Hopefully you never won't. But there's other stuff you do. Like bragging on what you don't do. That's sin right there. It's called self-righteousness. So, if we lose the feeling of righteousness through listening to the thoughts of the old man, we need only repent and the mind shifts to a cleansed mode and we feel find peace and cleanliness. All you got to do is change your thoughts. Amen. You got me? Because right now it's on a thought level. It ain't gotten to a desire in your heart level yet. So the sin, <clears throat> is Romans 7.20, says the sin that lives in our members is not you if you are a new creation. You got me? But there's a desire that that can sweep your flesh into it. It says if we don't repent quickly, we can become convinced that it is in us and we can't get rid of it. In other words, uh, uh, meditation eventually starts conception. That's what James says. He says, when sin is conceived, it brings forth death. Your, your mind goes over into thoughts and then you get trapped and say, that must be me. I can't help myself. I must want to do that. I must like it. That's why I keep thinking about it. You understand what I'm saying? You mess your head up doing that where here's righteousness in the mind of Christ waiting on you to lean into it so you can start thinking like God again. That's why Galatians said there's no law against shifting over from one to another when getting in your right mind. Huh? So if we don't repent quickly, we can become convinced that it is us and it's a legitimate desire on our part. When that happens, you will sin. I see people weak to the flesh. You know, you see people sometimes they're newly saved and they've been living fornicating forever and feel they can't stop. You can stop. You just have to talk to God about God's got the stopper for you. Huh? You've got to get with God and get the stopper. You ain't going to get that going through your head. Huh? God is so merciful because Jesus was tempted just like this, but he always believed in his righteousness. <laughs> That's the stopper. He never lost confidence in his righteousness. He never believed that he could sin or that he would sin or that he desired to sin. He just didn't put any faith in it. So he did it by faith in the Holy Spirit and the work of walking in the Spirit. So if, if we don't read quickly we can become convinced that it's us when that happens we will sin justified people live by believing in the new man and all of his capabilities he is strong in the lord he has power he has power and love and a sound mind he is not a feeble mind he does not have a weak mind you got me 
and he's capable and he's strong and you can live like uh, Christ. God is so merciful because Jesus was tempted just like this, but he believed he was righteous and we have our doubts. Why? Because sin lives in our members and it'll feed our minds some trash and make us doubt. If we linger in unrighteous thoughts, we will eventually agree with our carnal minds and act out of pride or selfishness or out of just fatigue. You get tired of fighting it because you're not fighting it in the right way. See, the right way is to shift over into the mind of Christ and let the fruit of the Spirit begin to work in you, to restore you, to regenerate you, all of that stuff. So uh, when you have imputed righteousness but give attention to the thoughts of the old man, guilt can ensue. Yeah. And that just came from your thought life. You ain't done nothing. But you feel guilty for what you're thinking. You got me? And so it's from lingering over in that. See, it's giving place to it. It's considering it instead of considering not. There's certain things you don't even, you're not even supposed to give a second thought to. You got me? Uh, Seriously. Like when when pain hits you, (laughs) you going to consider that and go follow that pain? Are you going to, huh? Because if you follow it, the devil got something for you. You understand me? You're either healed or you're not. Well, I'll be healed, but I'm going to go see about it. No, you ain't going to go see about that. Because if you do that, you ain't healed. Healed people don't go see about nothing. First of all, you go see about it because you consider it. And it's not that it doesn't exist. You understand that? We playing mind games. What you can, you have to understand the power of your thoughts to conceive. The more you think about something, the more you conceive it. That's why people make them, what do them think, fathead things? You know, the life size? You know, it used to be you had a little picture of a, a movie star or athlete, and you put the little picture up. Now they give you a fathead, so you can have a whole person, you know. Really let, let that consume your mind. Huh? I got my fat head, Denzel. I, I got I to gotta pick on somebody younger. Denzel, and God, Denzel by my age. So, but God is so merciful because of Jesus being tempted. So Jesus ministers over our confession and he speaks to the father about us all the time father we have forgive her that's tough right there was she facing right there that ain't easy see i've been there i lived in that earth suit they live in and so you have a high priest who is touched every time you get pain he feels it and he ministers on your behalf amen So if we linger in unrighteous thoughts, we'll eventually agree with our carnal mind and act out of pride or selfishness or fear. When you have imputed righteousness but give attention to the thoughts of the old man, guilt can ensue. And you think it's, you know, is that because you feel guilty about your thoughts? That's how Christians get into sin. They think nobody's going through this, but I can't tell anybody. Who can I tell? That's the first thing devil say, oh, you can't tell. Oh, it'd be all over the church. Well, maybe if it got all over the church, somebody pray for you. I mean, God can work that out for your good, too. You mean, don't let the devil scare. Are you kidding me? All over the church. <laughs> what don't y'all know about each other? Huh? Jeez. 
he'll blackmail you for something that you don't even care about just because he make a big deal out of you. Well, I better be scared of that. Huh? Our instructions are clear. We need to repent and meditate on the word to elevate our minds into the mind of Christ. And the fruit of the spirit will take over. That peace and contentment that you only get through right, imputed righteousness, not self-righteousness. Because the minute you start taking credit for something you do right, the devil will come make you do something wrong and beat you up. Amen. So just changing your thoughts can change your perception. And I mean from not just a happy thought that's carnal, but I'm talking about a righteous mindset. Tap into the mind of Christ. Jesus, I want to worship you, and I thank you. That's a good way to get into the mind of the Spirit of God. And Father, forgive me for letting my mind wander. I, I have to keep my mind stayed on you because there's no peace outside of that. You know, and just work with that and get yourself over to where you belong. Why do I think repentance is so important? I know people think I beat you up about this and all this, but there's a reason why I, I do believe it. And it's that the mind has great power to conceive. You have to keep your mind cleansed with washing of the water of the word. Ideas, actions, we all need to weed out and root out and get all roots out of our thinking that will allow actions that are contrary to God's law to flourish. When you see people who, who keep repeating the same difficulty over and over and over again there's a reason for that there's something somewhere in their mind that keeps feeding a root that shouldn't be fed anymore you got me and 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 it's good if and if you see yourself in that spot you know god help me to to yield to you more so that this root won't continue to be fed i just be the righteous root there's some things people protect from god's intervention in their life, their attitudes that we have that we don't want to have interfered with. So we put our own little hedge of protection over that. Sometimes there are things we're embarrassed about, you know, from long time ago, your childhood, the, the things that you went through as a kid that you're embarrassed about, and the devil keeps yanking your chain about it, and you never move beyond covering up an embarrassment. Then it gets to, it's such a strong root, it'll permeate and pop up in. You ever see some of those roots that, that kind of like a runner, those runners that run along the, them things pop up everywhere. Saying, wait a minute, I plant you over there. You was over here yesterday. They're running along the ground, infiltrating more things. Let me give you an example. This is something a lot of you younger people are facing even now. So you desire a spouse and your relationship begins in the flesh. Many do, even with Christians. We ain't all praying about stuff and waiting on God. You looking while you. Well, you got your little bicep measurement with you. Just going around. Ooh, they ain't got nothing. They ain't pumping up for me. So you never pray and ask God if this is the person he has chosen for you. See, that's a very indicting prayer for some people because you don't want to let go of what you got or what you think you got. You don't seek counseling. You don't want people in the church messing with this. So you don't go to the pastor. You don't talk to him. Huh? Or when you do, you're defensive about it. Well, I know God told I prayed already. 
Y'all notice the truth. So you, because very few people go to right route for this. You know, I mean, the Duggars are rare. Come on, let's face that. So, <clears throat> so you get married anyway. You don't put yourself under God's authority, though you're part of a church body. Huh? You get married anyway, thinking, well, it's done now. What can they do? So you think people are out to stop you from being happy when it's God trying to guide you the right way. You know, that may be the person for you, but you don't know it. You're not certain about it. So that makes it an unrighteous act. What's not of faith is, well, we got married and we're still in sin. Because, see, that root of rebellion and mistrust of God is still working in you. So just because you, you know you married already, you think it's over with, it's just starting. You understand what I'm saying? Because people say things, well, why do they keep bringing that up? We did. We married already. We ain't doing nothing wrong. Not now. <laughs> you think. See, you think putting a ring on it cleans it up. That's what people in the world think. That don't clean up nothing. Because you have a root of mistrust of God. You mistrust his servants. You think people are trying to rob you of something. And that makes you a thief. You understand what I'm saying? The same thing you accuse everybody else. Well-meaning people who only want to bless your life. And you all of a sudden they're your enemies now. Because they're asking you to pray about an important decision. So in the end, God never sanctioned your actions because you never trusted him enough to put your relationship under his authority. That's all he wanted, for you to trust his guidance in this very important thing in your life. Now that you're married, you want his help. Huh? Because you're going to need his help. As soon as you look at the bill for the wedding, you need his help. He's trying to get it for you for free, but you. (laughs) So here you go, being obedient, nice, sitting under the word, doing everything right. You know, sowing your big seed to get you out of your debt. We're doing everything right now. But it still doesn't go well for you. Progress is slow. Huh? It's true. Why? You take, seems like you tap one step forward and two steps back. Hmm? Many people make the mistake that it's done now, assuming that's the same thing as repentance, righteousness, and cleansing. They feel like God can't say anything to them anymore because it's done now. We got what we want. It's done now. But you have to look at what seed you sowed to get it done. Because that seed is still working somewhere in your members because you've still got to resort to your own devices to get your needs met many times. You got me? And so we don't want, we think that God's forgotten or he can't do anything to you now to stop you because you got what you want. You have what you want, but it's all illegal. And that's not the same thing as repentance. You got me? 
just because you did it and it's over with does not mean your life is the same as a repentant life would be. So you maybe try to repent somewhere down the line, but you still got that seed working in your life. And that's the difference between righteousness and unrighteousness. You can do the same thing in in a righteous vein and get excellent results. But if you do it in an unrighteous vein, it's conceived in fear of God, rebellion against his ways and his laws, you're going to have a hard time getting that out of your life. You need to understand what drove you to ignore God to begin with is still at work stealing from you. Amen. It's still at work stealing from you. This can only be dealt with and rooted out at the foot of the cross. Once God shines a light on this, we must come clean or we will never be clean. You'll always have that thing hanging over you. Is this why it never works out for us the way we think it's supposed to? Is this why our blessings never last very long? Is this why we struggle so hard financially? Is this why? How many witness to that? Say amen. You know why? Because people, it's so easy to do the right thing. If that person is not for you, God has done you a favor. You understand me? If that person is right for you and it's not the season for that, he has done you a favor. You understand me? You just, you can't outdo God. And see, this is why people feel like they're not getting anywhere in God and they're being robbed because the started root of it was wrong. You got on the wrong foundation when you got started. I know because I was married as a sinner. And that's a lot of working I had to do. <laughs> you understand? I was to get to dug up that old stuff and get that out of there and then put in some new stuff and believe for righteous. But the, the, the difference was, and this is the difference, if you start out with a pure heart and you just want to be right with God, even though you started out in sin, God looks at your heart and he will allow any righteous act that you do He'll allow great fruit to come up from that to overshadow the rotten fruit that's coming from this bad foundation if you give it over to him. But if you say within yourself, well, I don't see what the problem is now. We married. Nope. It's not repentance. That's the old cover-up. It's like a big lump being under under your rug every day. And you keep stumbling over it because you don't come clean with God. Can we stop now? Amen. Father, we thank you. They'll never have trouble in their lives. I'm telling you, you're trouble-free because there's no law against you doing the right thing. Even when they mess up, there'll be great mercy for them because they've entrusted that relationship to God from the beginning. All right. Well, Father, we thank you for a lot that you're doing.